Strap in, we have a lot of movies to get through this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. An all-star cast in Bombshell. You know why Ron just got that door blocking his office. I think I'd be freaking phenomenal on your network. I need to know that you're loyal. I need you to find a way to prove it. So you like you really rough. No one will believe you. They'll call you a liar. We could do this together, all of us. Major bombshell was dropped today. Good names. Ready to go to war? Oh, yeah. Talk to the animals in Doolittle. We have no choice but to embark on this perilous journey. Everyone pack your bags! <laughs> you can talk to animals. It's okay to be scared. No. And I think to myself. Hello, Barry. Hello, lunch. A movie 17 years in the making in Bad Boys for Life. Hey! Oh, sh! Come on, man! You can get that buffed out. You can get that buffed out. One last time. One last time. We're not just black, we're cops too. We'll pull ourselves over later. <laughs> Family fun in Go. How's that? Dean, everyone thinks he's gonna win nationals this year. When there's nothing to lose. How long have you been carding? About 10 minutes. Come along for the ride. Put me in charge of the car. We can do it. I'm in. See you at the finish line. I'll be waiting for you. Go. And an uplifting documentary in the biggest little farm. Update on Emma the pig. The day before she is to give birth yet again. And then there's the nervous boyfriend. Mr. Greasy. A little something for them to reflect back on the good times when life was simple. Aww. That's this week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hello. And Dan Miranda. Hello. Now your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on, but first. Do you know why we dress soldiers the same? So everybody knows they're replaceable. Something really weird just happened. It's better if you don't involve me in this. You know why Ron just got that door blocking his office. We could work together, but I want something in return. Enough is enough. You've got the real A major bombshell was dropped today. These are the end times. I think it's time we finish this. Bombshell is a movie very much of its time, steeped in themes from the popular Me Too movement and about the Fox News scandal that's only a few years old. But is it an important movie about the times we live in or a piggyback off the goodwill of a current movement? Ooh, mm. controversial take. <laughs> um, Yeah, that may be a true statement. A film has to just focus on one thing at a time for it to make sense to the audience. Otherwise, things get confusing. So as a Greens and a, a left-wing person myself, I consider Fox News as not <laughs> so great. Um, and, look, it doesn't delve into anything too serious about that side of it. In fact, it kind of makes the Murdochs look good. So the plot is based on the true events of the sexual harassment scandal against the then head of Fox News, Roger Ailes. 
And the characters played by Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie are all wrapped up in this in in different instances and it eventually comes out and it's kind of been, I guess, the the ball that started the Me Too movement rolling and that's all it focuses on, this very one specific incident within Fox News. So do you think that it is a good example of something current and in the zeitgeist being adapted or does it feel like they're trying to get in while like strike while the iron's hot my reference to this i guess would be there's two movies about steve jobs one is quite well thought out and it's called steve jobs and Mm. the other one is called jobs which came out immediately after he died as quick as possible to be the first one where do you feel this falls more it doesn't feel too rushed or that they've jumped on some sort of bandwagon like that it's a well thought out movie that focuses on one specific scandal and if you like those sort of investigative movies like spotlight and the one recently official secrets kind of has that sort of vibe to it so this has a pretty powerhouse cast mm. uh margot robbie playing kind of an amalgamation of different people that yeah represent- she's the only one that isn't a real person. Uh, And then uh, Nicole Kidman and then an almost unrecognisable Charlize Theron as Megyn Kelly. What what are we thinking about the performances all around? Uh, For me, certainly Charlize Theron hits the ball out of the park. She is so, like I believe that she's a real reporter. She doesn't even look like herself, as you said, Cambo. She's got these beautiful blonde locks and it's just... I feel like I'm actually watching the news at times. It was very subtle differences to the way that she talked and walked and, yeah, I guess the way that she looked as well. Because for the first couple of scenes, Dan and I were like, that's Charlie's Theron. Are we sure? Are we sure? Are we sure? And even (laughs) I remember she was announced like a year ago that she was going to play Megan Kelly. Mm -hmm. And then when the trailer came out, and it was the very first teaser trailer is just all set in an elevator and people keep getting on the elevator. Mm. Uh, And I kept. Being like, when is Charlize Theron going to come yeah. in? But she was the first one in the elevator. She just looks like, yeah. but she doesn't look, it's not like Monster, right, where she completely transformed no. herself. Mm. But there's just, it just looks slightly different. Like, yeah, it is so subtle. And in very much like the actual Megan Kelly. Yeah. Like I watched footage of her and I'm, yeah, you can see very much a similarity. But I don't know who that is. So I don't know who she's trying to look like, but. She yeah. looked different. Mm. I mean, Fox News women are all kind of uh, the same. As the movie explores. That was, yeah, that was kind of one of the things as well. Um, and that Roger Ailes, the the then head of Fox News, has kind of a, a type yes. yeah. that we discover. As far as performance of Roger Ailes, that is uh, played by John Lithgow. Mm. And he is, he's transformed. I, I got vibes of his uh, his performance in The Crown as... Um, yeah. Churchill. Churchill, but um, obviously a lot more seedier. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And he plays the role perfectly. You, you know he's a creep from the get-go, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's mm. funny because he can play such a wholesome dad type character, mm. but then on the flip side, even in shows like Dexter and whatnot, he can be really unsettling as well. It's so weird that he has that kind of, I mean, I guess it's just range as an actor, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's what you want. Yes. So I think this is fair to say that this is, I don't want to be too cynical, but the big short format. In mm. fact, they even have the same screenwriter as the big short. They've got the the key leads, yeah. which mm. are the proper movie stars. And they even got, so the big short was directed by Adam McKay, who previously was making you know, Step Brothers and Anchorman and, and very silly, irreverent comedies. So much so that Bombshell was directed by Jay Roach. And if people don't know who Jay Roach is, he's responsible for movies like Austin Powers and Meet the Parents. 
Mm. So it's it's almost like that formula of like, let's get a comedy director, some movie stars and this kind of political screenwriter and try and do it again. But he did also do Trumbo. Jay yes, Roach, which is a fantastic film, to be which fair. Which is very serious. I really like that one. Um, so maybe he has some sort of Oh, I'm not, I have nothing against that, Jay Roach. I think he's a, yeah. he's a, he's a fine it's a, director. It's a That's different like a format. But it's yeah. such a specific formula of mm. things to be like. When they have a couple, I think it's three movie stars in both of them, right? Yeah, yeah three, three big key movie stars, a political screenwriter and a comedy director, and all of that will make a big short-esque kind of success. Yeah. yeah. So who do you think should see Bombshell? I think if you enjoy an expose film like the ones Vi mentioned earlier, or enjoy great performances. I think obviously Charlize Theron is the highlight for me. Um, you'll also get a bit of an, uh, maybe you'll associate a lot of what happens in this film to, you know, things that have happened to you in your workplace. Hopefully not to the extent of this, but, you know, there are similarities um, that you might be able to draw a line between. Or one thing that I actually noticed throughout Bombshell is that the amount of actors that you'll recognise from, where do I know that from? <laughs> like uh, we've got people from the, the Nanny, the old TV show. But, yeah, I think it's, it's a good film that people will enjoy and also probably be a bit shocked by. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film, although I, I do see it as a, a very lighthearted, I guess, look at a, a very heavy situation because it also does touch on it was at the time of um, Trump's presidency getting into the, the White House. So the involvement Fox News sort of had with that as well. So that is something I'm more interested in <laughs> to delve into, but they kind of make Fox News look pretty good. Um, so it's a, it's a very unbiased look at it. It's just presenting a situation and what the characters went through. And in that way, it's very empowering to people who may be being harassed in the workplace to come forward and in those situations and for everyone else, yeah, a look at what people have to go through in the world today and that we're not going to stand for it anymore. Bad boys, bad boys. Hey, what you going to do? What you going to do when we come in? Hey, 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 no, never. Y'all will never do that again. Yeah, and you f***ing up the lyrics, which take a long time to learn. To call the Bad Boys franchise infrequent is to put it nicely. The original, a fresh-ish spin on a buddy cop formula, hit the screens in 1995. Then, just a short eight years later, we got the bigger, more bloated sequel, Bad Boys 2. And now a full 17 years after that, and a full 25 years after the original, we finally have the third in the series, Bad Boys for Life. Is there life still in the franchise? I think there's certainly life in the actors portraying these roles. Um, well, one of them more than the other. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> certainly Will Smith is the, the lead. And interestingly enough, um, this is actually the first Bad Boys film where their head, the, the title card has been switched. It's mm. usually always Martin Lawrence in the previous two films. Now it's Will Smith. It's crazy to think when the first Bad Boys came out, Martin Lawrence was by far yeah. the biggest star. And that's, yeah, and... It's well, 25 years can change a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so in in this final chapter of the Bad Boys franchise, we've got Michael Lowry. Is, he's assigned to be the head of a new group of, I guess he calls them millennial cops known as Ammo. And while Marcus Burnett is assigned as a police investigator. So they're, and this is all in the time that they're about to retire. So, you know, this is, they're about to finish their careers and then something happens. A Romanian mob boss exacts revenge on the duo because previously, they have, I guess, uh, done wrong to his brother. So mm. this is a bit of a revenge story and, uh, yeah. And I would say the thing is, largely the plot of the Bad Boys film 
doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it really doesn't. They're always way more convoluted than they need to be. But I think if you want a, a lesson in escalation in sequels, watch the original Bad Boys, which itself is just like a standard buddy cop mm, film. True. Hasn't dated the best, but you know what? It, it's it's not a bad like buddy cop formula film. Yeah. Then Bad Boys 2 comes out and it's what I call trash cinema masterpiece in that it's a terrible movie, but boy, is it like huge <laughs> and spectacular in some bizarre ways. And then number three, which isn't the film or tool directed by Michael Bay. Mm. Uh, this, these, there's a set of directors on this new one have come in and it looks somewhere between the two. Between the it two. doesn't look as grandiose and ridiculous as Bad Boys 2, which is kind of seen in like that point break kind of people ironically love it kind of way. Mm. Like there's it, even in Hot Fuzz, it's references like the all time action film, but it doesn't look as small as Bad Boys. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we haven't seen this new film, so we can only speculate, but I do agree. I haven't seen actually Bad Boys 2, but I did watch the the original and you're right it does have a it's a bit homophobic it's a bit, yeah. a, little bit, a little bit did you watch it when it came out or recently recently right me too yeah. so mm. i just watched it me the too first is an one the other day phrase to use oh boy oh dear. i might piss off some people but i couldn't even get through it really well, I was... no, but that doesn't surprise me at all because it is designed mm. specifically for like young teenage boys yes and, and I- it's like Michael Bay has only got more and more Michael Bay's career yeah. went. But you see exactly where he came from with Bad Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, at the time of it coming out, I didn't see it because I thought, yes, it does look like just an action mm. boys movie that I wouldn't be interested in. And growing up and changing a bit and thinking, no, I, I don't like those gender stereotypes that people have to like, oh, boys are going to like this and girls are like mm. this. So I thought, you know, I'll watch it and no, I I wasn't interested. No. Uh, not no, my kind of that, film. That, nothing has surprised me less <laughs> no. than the fact that the bad boys didn't click with it you, so nor should sexist. it, because it's it's it's. I mean, it's of its time, and it was that nineties Jerry Bruckheimer thing yeah. that they were all kind of a bit like that. Martin but, Lawrence's character was an incel. He was basically yeah. like blaming all his problems on that he didn't get any from his wife. Yes, yeah. that's right. I was oh. like, okay, and, and it, yeah, so. The Bad Boys franchise has its <laughs> problems, and in fact, one of my favorite things about Bad Boys Two is uh, if you if you look under critical reception on Wikipedia, mm. it says uh, this movie was criticized for its bloated running time, excessive violence, and <laughs> blatant misogyny. Oh, like that! If nothing sums up the Bad Boys yeah. movies, it's that sentence. But a lot has changed in seventeen years in the world socially. That's almost what I'm interested in: mm, is yeah. to whether or not this is going to be a complete throwback for better or for worse. Mm or whether they will have tried to update the Bad Boys franchise to be more 2020 appropriate. Mm. I, I, honestly, that is what I'm actually most interested in this film because mm. they can't do what they did anymore yeah. in any sense. I will say this because I agree with you. I don't think Bad Boys is a, is a particularly great film, but I do respect it for one particular reason, and it's odd that I have to say that, but uh, when it came out in 1995, they fought really, really hard to have two African-American leads, yeah. which up until that point hadn't been done, mm. and there was huge pushback for it. And weirdly, Michael Bay, of all people, was the one that was pioneering, no, no, we need more diversity in action yeah. movies, which is odd because he kind of seems like a misogynist, like elitist kind of mm. crazy action director. But all credit to it, I think a lot of movies have come 
because of bad boys. Yeah. So I do kind of respect that legacy. One last time. One last time. I want some crazy action because that is at least what Bad oh. Boys delivers. There's a car chase in Bad Boys 2 in which their car, they're chasing a, a truck full of cars and to stop their car, they're throwing cars at them. So it's a car chase in which cars are being thrown at cars and it's it's this kind of grandiose. Okay. This is like a prelude to Fast and Furious, it, I'm it, sure. Honestly, it is, but yeah. even kind of bigger than anything mm. they've done. I want to see if they do anything else that kind of crazy as well, because I do. And the thing is, when I talk about that, it's all practical. They mm. threw cars down a freeway at other cars <laughs> to do this in that Michael Bay kind of let's mm. do everything we can thing. I want to see if they come up with any other kind of inventive practical action sequences. You know, I love a practical action sequence. So who do you think should see Bad Boys for Life? Look, if you love Will Smith, if you don't love him, he's here to stay, it seems. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but if you, lo- if you love an action film, there's car chases. It's full of action. In the trailer, we see some sort of helicopter falling through a glass ceiling. Sounds, sounds big and busterous. <laughs> um, this is the first film not directed, as we said, by Michael Bay. And I think, yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy this as a, a millennial, I'll say, because even in the trailer, we do have some... The, the new kids on the block, including Vanessa Hudgens. Not um, the band, the new kids on the block. No. Right? They are not millennials. Correct. So I think coming to this movie with, you know, uh, with a lighthearted view, I'd say. So in, if you enjoy action, enjoy a bit of humour, you might like Bad Boys for Life. Yeah. Just that action film that you want to see with a bunch of friends a nostalgic in the good way view of the 2000s <laughs> with a caveat there. Yeah, I would say just know what you see. Yeah. <laughs> Also still in cinemas, 1917. Roger Deakins' impeccably shot war film. My Spy. Dave Bautista plays a CIA agent blackmailed by a child. And Sean the Sheep, Farmageddon. You like Wallace and Gromit? Come see Sean the Sheep. (laughs) Yes, you can hear about all of those movies and, in fact, everything that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you'd like. Somehow, we just belong together. Yes, I'm thinking to myself. Oh, what a wonderful world. You wouldn't surprise me if you told me that you don't know much about Doolittle because there really hasn't been much to see. With a troubled behind-the-scenes history and the film's trailer only releasing two months ago, compare that to other movies with similar budgets like Star Wars, who dropped trailers a full year ahead of time, are they hiding something or is it just simply to stop people spoiling the film? Well, in either case, they've done their job because we haven't been able to see this. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very much hidden from us. The only idea I had of Doolittle was the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle mm. oh, yeah. that I grew up with. So this one is completely different and it goes into the more original Doolittle themes of mysticism and, and it's kind of got this Narnia feel with this other world with these talking animals. Doolittle, living in the 19th century, has to help a young Queen Victoria find a cure. She's become ill and he has to travel to this mythical land with all his animal companions. Mm. So very different mm. <laughs> to the Eddie Murphy version. It's the Robert Downey Jr.'s had this weird thing where if he's not playing 
Iron Man. He then plays some like Victorian era <laughs> steampunk, yeah. like fictional uh, literature character. Because yeah. he likes to flip his hat. He does. <laughs> he loves a top hat. <laughs> whatever character he's playing in yeah. a period piece, he flips a hat. And so there's not much about this film out there, huh. mm. but there are a lot of stories about its troubled production. Mm. Um, uh, directors apparently being egomaniacs, yeah. uh, crews changing and things like that, and it, it's, it seems to have delayed the film some. That doesn't always lead to a bad film. World War Z was very much like that. And that actually came out as a pretty well-produced tight film. And then on the other hand, movies like Fantastic Four are also like that. And they come out clearly a mess. Mm. So it'll be really interesting to see whether or not the story is strong enough to kind of contain all those uh, rumors and stories about the film. That being said, I think the special effects look pretty fantastic. Uh, I can normally pick a CGI animal and it's not flawless in the way that maybe The Lion King was. But the fact that they have $175 million budget, you know that they're doing all they can to kind wow. of like get photo realistic talking animals compared to the Eddie Murphy, like just kind of animate the mouths a bit. It'll be interesting to see whether $175 million actually makes it any better. Mm. Oh. I wonder because if, the Eddie Murphy ones were kind of convincing anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I think they were like. For back then, for, back for the then. CGI, I appreciate that, that all the animals are CGI in this rather than using real animals. I, and I, I agree. Like, again, the feeling that I get from Narnia with those sorts of animals and the human interaction. And I know that they're fake, so my brain is going to think that they're fake because it's not a talking animal wearing clothes. So, it, yeah, it can be less realistic. I think it's worth pointing out as well, this movie, even not necessarily for us, this looks like full-blown like family entertainment. Yeah. yeah. And as a kid, because it's, it's got that steampunk kind of aesthetic to it and he's in mm. hot air balloons yeah. and blimps and stuff, I would have been obsessed with this. For like, sure. yeah. like, absolutely. So I think that for our age bracket, maybe it skews a little too young for us. But I think for kids, especially because there's not a – whole heap of kids content out school holidays are winding down and i think this isn't like a legitimate option to take your kids to so who do you think should see do little family should see this film it's anthropomorphic fantasy of wonder and speaking to animals and i think if you've ever wanted to speak to animals which who hasn't yeah. wanted to and i know they all have their own language and you can you know decipher what they mean by body movements but actually having a conversation <laughs> with your dog who doesn't want to do that i think just go go along to this film and enjoy the wonder of it. If you, It's from the producer who did Alice in Wonderland and Maleficent. It looks like Oz the Great and Powerful, mm. Disney did a few years back. Yeah. Um, go in and expect a, a fantasy come to life. I think you'll enjoy this film. Yeah, I definitely think my younger self would have really liked this because I remember loving the Dr. Doolittle with Eddie Murphy. Like he was talking to animals. That was great. So, yeah, I think a lot of kids are going to love this and maybe older kids. How long have you been carting? About 10 minutes. Yeah, pretty good. First hit the track. Take it slow. I don't think he heard you. Next, learn the rules. Teach me everything. I need you to wash loose with your feet. Mr. Miyagi. I need to do some driving. Then join the team. We need to start from basics. She's so cool. Get ready for the Australian family film of the summer. I hit Dean where it hurts, on the track. You're burning sunlight. Chop, chop. Go. In cinemas January 16. Who says that Australian films don't have the same culture as other countries? Sure, South Korea may have the award Darling Parasite to boast about, but we have our very own piece of art in Go, a movie about go-karting. Should we submit the Academy Award application now? 
Oh, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> this film is more based towards kids, another family film, and it might sound amusing that it's, um, you know, an action drama kids film based around go-karts because that's quite a like a kiddie thing to do. Um, it kind of reminded me of Ford vs. Ferrari, oh. <laughs> um, that same kind of plot, um, mm. but Teenagers. <laughs> so it's... You just have Richard Roxborough instead of uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> it's about this teenager called Jack and he's just moved to a new town with his mum and discovers his love for go-kart racing. He's a bit of an underdog but with the help of some new friends and a very brooding mentor, he might just have a shot at winning nationals. Oh, uh, I saw this movie, Ride Like a Girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that, that's the thing about all, it. All seasons of Glee. It, it seems <gasps> like if you have a screenwriting program, there, there must be something where it's like, you're writing a sports film. Mm. What's the sports? Go-karting. All right, here's a grumpy mentor. Here's a love <laughs> yeah. interest. Uh, is it nationals? All right, you're going to yeah. nationals. Yeah, so they have to do regionals first <laughs> yeah. and oh, then they geez. go to nationals. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so, pretty cute. So, so it's like it's not without its kind of tropes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it, I just find it's, it's interesting what the Australian film industry funds. And I, I have no ill will against Go!, but it, it's so interesting that like the kind of more niche and like kind of, I guess, nostalgic it's going for mm. with kids being like, remember go-karts? We made a whole movie about yeah. go-karts. It reminds me a lot of, there's a movie a couple of years ago called Paper Planes, yes. which is also an Australian yeah. thing. It looks very much in that uh, mm-hmm. like archetype, I guess. Australians do two films. One like that, like Red Dog, mm-hmm. these sorts mm-hmm. of family friendly. They have a lot of nature scenes. It's very iconically Australian, usually in the bush or the outback yep. somewhere. And then really bloody, horrible, disgusting, depressing Yeah, like movies. 1% that we talked about, the, about the biker gangs. Yeah. yeah there's no so, in-between, is there? No. <laughs> it's one or the other. Uh, and this one is in the former. So who do you think should see Go? Well, this is directed by Owen Trevor, who's an Australian director. He um, has done a lot of work with Top Gear. So I think mm-hmm. if you're a fan of race cars, probably go-karts, I would say this is, this is a, a family film to take your kids to if you like cars. Yeah, the... All the child actors haven't been in much. They've a couple of them. This is their first ever role, so that's really cool to see. And all the adults are uh, sort of famous. Like you might recognize their faces. Like we've got Francis O'Connor from The Conjuring, um, and it's all very, yes, very cliched, but very charming and a really good family-friendly film. This is Bambi. When you hold them, they'll become a lot more relaxed if they have something to put their feet on. But she still does it like this them very much. Sorry. Every single day when I come out here, they do something really funny and it makes me smile. They're very curious about humans too. So you feel like you can make a connection with them. <laughs> They don't want to be held right now. We rely on them for their eggs and they rely on us to give them a good quality of life. The biggest little farm, much like 2040 a few months back, is a new trend of uplifting documentaries about the many possibilities that Mother Earth can provide. And in the wake of recent environmental tragedies here in Australia, is this the kind of film that people need right now? Oh, this is an absolute must-see, in my opinion, Canva. This is... This is a film that took him, oh, the the director and also one of the co-stars, about eight years, I think, to film. Wow. Now, the premise of this film is a husband and wife who live in Santa Monica, California. One's like a cook, is obsessed with food, fresh produce, and the other is also a cinematographer. And he um, 
he goes to all these different places to film documentaries and he goes to a place where there's these animal hoardings happening and he sees one of these uh, little black Kelpie dogs with blue eyes and they eventually adopt him and doesn't go too well at their home and they say this is, they said they've made a promise to him, you're going to live with us until you die basically. So the dog actually doesn't work out in their apartment. So what do they do? They buy a farm. I think it's something like 200 acres. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they move to a farm and realise it's not as easy as you think it is. (laughs) It's a really intense, emotionally driven journey for them and you get to experience it along the way. Yeah, so they have to plot out 200 acres of off-the-grid living. So they basically make their own like forests of food and heaps of crops and everything that they can live from. Um, it's all very, yes, uplifting and it's got a positive message at the end. And, you know, off the grid living isn't for everyone. Not everyone can afford 200 acres of land (laughs) um, and to plot that and then work it. It would be ideal. I would love to live in a commune with all my friends Mm. and just rely on the produce that we grow. I wouldn't be able to do the animal killing. Um, Someone else can do that. I don't eat animals, but, yeah, in this one, obviously they're having to kill their own food. Um, And so that's a bit sad. So, yeah, if you're a bit sensitive about that. Well, that's one thing that I found fascinating about the documentary is it it really wanted to be self-sufficient in all aspects of farming Mm. and go back to the the traditional values and ways that people did it. So they they actually hire someone to, you know, mentor them who's an expert in this film Mm. and he plays a big part in, you know, plotting out all the trees and how to get the the soil back to normal. And probably the most fascinating thing for me to think about a farm is because when we all were born or kids, we, you know, got those old McDonald farms books, you learn he's got a pig and whatever, but it's it's funny, you think that they're all living in perfect harmony, but for a, for an organic farm to prosper, there's a lot of disharmony and that's the most fascinating thing that I gathered from, from this documentary. Mm. It's interesting with documentaries though when you have the people who it's about filming their own True. thing, it's obviously going to be one-sided. It's yeah, very yeah. biased <laughs> in their favour and so it would have been interesting to have a different perspective, having other people come in and film their story and yeah. how that would have turned out because as it is, it's, yeah, it's not very biased. It's not very critical. No. And in fact, I think he kept it quite secretive until the end or until the editing process began. So he was like filming this all in the down low. So who do you think should see the biggest little farm? This is a perfect documentary to take anyone who's got an interest or values where their food actually comes from I think it's always good to consider these things because you can become detached when you live in like you know bigger cities and it's easy to go to the supermarket and pick up your food this is a really good documentary to really value where food comes from and it's shot on a in a beautiful way that you know makes you appreciate the the world that we live in or hopefully continue to live in yeah, try to live in sustainably. Perhaps even on a smaller scale, you know, not everyone can afford 200 acres of land, but I know a lot of friends who try to grow their own herbs and, and veggies and stuff at home. Yeah. So that's even a good start and something like this can educate you on some things and how to do it better. Now for your chance to win a gold-class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question, What older film from your childhood would you like to see turned into a sequel? Yes, simply leave your answer with the hashtag TheCinemaCrew for your chance to win. 
Next week, get ready to laugh with Like a Boss, then get ready to cry in a beautiful day in the neighbourhood. Then get ready to be angry in Just Mercy and finally get ready to scream in Underwater. But until then, thank you for listening and thank you, Vari. Thanks. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. My name is Cambo and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. 